Not a matter of if, but when a crisis could rock your world. I'm Rashini Rajkumar, crisis strategist, licensed attorney, and host of The Crisis Files. In each case file, we explore a real-world crisis or a multidimensional controversy. My crisis squad and I are here to find solutions. We also bring you thought leaders who take us deeper into topics that affect our daily lives. David Horsager is founder and CEO of Trust Edge Leadership Institute, which helps leaders build trust both within and for their organizations. David developed the Enterprise Trust Index, a tool to help leaders understand trust within their organization. He's here to discuss a case file I call, Trust Me. A 2023 Gallup survey on trust in U.S. institutions paints a pretty bleak picture. Americans are losing trust in major institutions. In some cases, it's cratering. Only 32% of Americans trust organized religion, down from 37% in 2021. Public schools, 26%, down from 32% in 2021. The U.S. Supreme Court took a dive to 27%, down from 36% just two years ago. Who do we trust the most? Small business, 65%, but down from 70% in 2021. And the U.S. military, 60%, which still dropped nine percentage points from 2021. Dave, what is going on here? It started about Watergate. 80% of Americans almost started to trust their government to do what is right for most people. And since then, institutional trust has tanked. Think back. Hundreds of years, trust was local, right? You trusted someone like for two reasons. Either they're over that hill, so I don't trust them because I don't know them, or they're right here and I don't trust them because I do know them. Then we moved to institutional trust and we had these institutions, they're slow moving. So I could trust the institution because there was a framework. So government was actually quite high trust, but it cratered after Watergate. If you think of religion, almost the same number of people say they believe in God as did 80 years ago in America, and yet any metric that would show that, going to a place of worship, giving to a place of worship, attending something, it's down steeply. If you take education, when I grew up, my parents were public school teachers. We trusted the public schools, and back then, charter schools, homeschooling, it was weird. Not anymore. You've got this distrust in that institution. I grew up on a farm where we grew edible beans like you eat in Chile, right? Back then, we trusted food. We trusted agriculture. Now I want to know that that bean is grown outside my restaurant, picked with a white glove, and kissed on the way to the table. Institutional trust has tanked enormously. And then we move toward this distributed trust. We move toward Uber. Wow, why would I get in a car without anybody I didn't know? And then Airbnb, but we do. The trust is distributed. Blockchain is going to increase distributed trust when it comes around, and it will work immensely. But interestingly enough, in the last year and a half or so, trust has gone back to local. I trust people that I touch myself again, that I know myself again. I don't trust reviews. Reviews have tanked on Amazon and other places immensely because they're so manipulated. Ooh, is that ChatGP? Is that this? Is that that? And the number one question senior hires are asking is, is this real? Is it real? Are you real? Am I seeing real? Am I seeing this real? And since we're talking about media, media trust tanked immensely. You would know the acts better than I did, but it happened under both Reagan and Clinton, where they both signed uh, so that there was less accountability, especially in cable networks. You know, we could basically more or less entertain instead of trust. Back in the day, we had the news, right? Now it's, oh, you got your news, you got your news, you got your news, and media has also tanked. So institutions have tanked. Good news, we can do something about it. Bad news, distrust is higher than ever. 
Dave, you're giving us this timeline. Are there any constants that help explain the cratering? Certainly there are blips in each industry, and I think each industry touches each other industry. You know, people disagreed. We think we're more divisive in America than ever. We were divided at the Continental Congress, but there was a type of congeniality and respect for the office that's different now. There are often amplifiers or moments that decrease trust in an area, like the Iran hostage situation. Many in media point back to that moment because that was one of the first times we were measuring how many eyeballs we get in media. And they noticed that, wow, this big, crazy, wild, amazing, emotional thing, that's getting eyeballs. So now in the news, let's try to amplify emotion. Let's try to get the hottest, most emotional story instead of sometimes just what is the real news. I'm not taking anything away from the storms that are happening now on the coast, but they're trying to make them really, 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 really big. Every storm is really big because we want to get eyeballs. You have these, these many things happen at similar time, but then you have amplifiers that's brought overall distrust. And when my core institution trust is broken, that you could say is the thread you're talking about. Like, Religion. Oh, my goodness. And the Catholic Church is a four billion dollar scandal of what's happened to, you know, in sexual abuse. I love that you say that term amplifier, because I'll just take news, which is my business. I used to be a television news reporter as more of a talk show host the last, uh, I don't know, 17, 18 years. I don't think of myself as a journalist anymore because I can share opinion. But when I was in television news as a reporter for about a decade, I did not feel appropriate sharing an opinion on the air. I was the reporter. I gathered the information, gathered the facts, gathered the opinions, and then reported them out to my viewers. That has really changed in television news, both local and national. That has been one of the perpetrators of this dismal showing that trust across all institutions are having. And I really love how you analyze this amplifier effect. I'll just tell you with the weather. All of the meteorologists I worked with in local television said you can really not predict the weather much more than a day in advance. You're lucky if you can do two. But these three to five, seven-day forecasts, these are made for TV moments. Management wants us to put something up there to keep people looking. And I always think of that when someone says, oh, seven days from now, it's going to be like this. Your race is doomed. No, we can't predict the weather seven days from now. I learned that from some really great meteorologists around the country. But these amplifiers, whether it's the media, whether it's political parties that aren't being as true to their core values. Trust has been your life. You've made this your mission. You have talked about the eight pillars of trust. I want to get into some of those with you. I'll list all eight, but there are a few I really want to dive into. Clarity, compassion, character, competency, commitment, connection, contribution, and consistency. Let's start with clarity because that's really important. How do you describe that? People trust the clear and they mistrust or distrust the ambiguous or the overly complex. So where I was a professor, whenever I complexify something, we professor, oh, we got to look smart. Whenever we do, we lose clarity, which always loses trust. 
by the way, let me back up just one step and just say in my grad work where this came from before most people are looking at trust in any research way, a lot of people are talking about trust today in the last 10 years or so with and mostly without research. So you have people saying, oh, trust is transparency. No, it's not. Transparency can increase trust, but some of your kids are so transparent on social media, I don't trust them for a second, right? So, <laughs> so we, we have to think about this a little bit. It's more complex than you might think, but I will argue this, basically a lack of trust, the biggest expense you have. Everything of value is built on trust. You work with boards of directors. We're going to a big event in October around corporate directors that you're going to be on the main stage for. That is the biggest risk of a board is losing trust. The biggest risk of a brand is losing trust. It's always a trust issue. So trust is not a soft skill. My view is people are solving the wrong issue. They think they have a leadership issue, for instance. The reason you follow a leader or not is trust. Oh, we have a sales issue. The reason people buy has something to do with trust. And the only way to speed up a sale is increase trust in the channel. We have an innovation issue. People will not share ideas with each other if they don't have trust. They they keep them in. They don't get creative. They're scared to share. What about diversity, equity, inclusion? The biggest Harvard study shows diversity on its own tends to put or pit people against each other in some way unless we increase trust. And then we know we get enormous benefits out of diversity, equity, inclusion, but only if we deal with trust. Same with learning in the kid's classroom. Learning. How do we deal with the learning issues in the classroom? You have to increase trust in the content the teacher or the psychological safety or trust of the room. There's only one way to amplify a marketing message. You have to increase trust in that message. So we have to deal with this issue of trust. How do we do it then? If we buy in and understand it's a trust issue, not a communication issue of this issue or that issue, it's a trust issue. Then whether it's in crisis or not, then we go to these eight and these eight pillars of trust, they don't come as all C's. They don't come in this tight way of doing it. They're all stand for a research funnel. They're very important, but these are the eight ways we build trust globally. It doesn't matter if it's in our work with pro sports teams, with CEOs and leadership teams in policing and trust. Or even in our own families. In our families. Marriage. I've had people say it tripled them sales. I've had people say it saved their marriage. I've had people on the deck of the USS Reagan say it changed the way they do things on the carrier. I've had people say it changed corruption issues in East Africa. Now, that doesn't mean we don't contextualize. Doesn't mean we know everything. But these eight get to the core of how trust is actually built. Clarity is really the starting point. Compassion I find a really terrific pillar and one that some people might find surprising. Why is compassion a pillar for trust? A big word that came out of that research funnel was intent. People trust those that have intent beyond themselves. Frankly, you don't have to even care about me necessarily, but if you don't care about something beyond yourself, emissionally or people-wise, I have a hard time trusting you. And I won't be accountable to you or follow you unless I feel like you care somewhat about me. By the way, little tidbit here, there's a whole part of how we show care in the workplace and how much it matters. Number one reason people leave an organization, according to our research, Gallup also followed it up with, another study found it, is appreciation, not being noted for notable work, which is one of the parts of how we show compassion, just like empathy and listening and some of these other things we do show compassion. And one other tidbit is, number one, who is the most trusted person in the world of the most people? Who is the most trusted according to the research? Is it a firefighter? Is it a fireman? Is it this person? It is, in fact, mom. I was just going to say about its mother. We could learn something from mom. We really can. And I want, of course, people to explore all eight of the pillars, but let's jump over to commitment because you have nothing if you don't have trust, but we also need all parties to commit to these same ideals and this same game plan. No doubt about it. People trust those that stay committed in the face of adversity. 
through a pandemic, through tough times, through whatever it is, I trust those that I believe aren't going to jump when it gets difficult. So if you think of anybody who's left a legacy in your life or in history, a mom, a dad, a first grade teacher, Mandela, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, Jesus, or Joan of Arc, they were trusted because they were committed to something beyond themselves, maybe to death, by the way. By the way, this doesn't mean I never pivot in my business. This doesn't mean I don't shift. This doesn't mean I don't change. There's people who say, oh, you're waffling because you No, we change, but there's a commitment to values. There's a commitment to people. There's a commitment to mission. There's a commitment to a way of being. Well, we have a whole framework for how you rebuild trust in a crisis, whether you've had a big oil spill or whatever, or whether you're an individual, it comes down to one thing and it is not the apology. Now, I'm not saying don't apologize. That can open the door of communication, but you never rebuild trust on the apology. You perhaps have heard this. I'm sorry I'm late. Uh, no, you're not. You're late every single time. We don't rebuild trust on the apology. The only way to rebuild trust is to make and keep a new commitment. That makes a lot of sense. I love that. And we actually, on the Crisis Files, many case files ago, did handle uh, apologies in apology or not. So I welcome our listeners to go back and check that one out. All right, let's wind down with the eighth pillar. And again, I want everyone to check them all out. But consistency. Basically, the only way to build a reputation is consistency, for good or bad. Like we just talked about, if you're late consistently, I will absolutely trust you. To be late. To be late. So your reputation is built on consistency. Your brand, an organizationally, a brand is built only on consistency. How I feel every time. What's my experience consistently? So consistency is the queen and king of the pillars. Sameness is trusted. It's the little things done consistently that make the biggest difference, not the big things. Little things done consistently. You know, you don't even have to like something to trust it. Like you might not like McDonald's, but I've had the same exact burger on six continents. Right. If you know you want something to eat and you want consistency, you know you can eat it. I would say McDonald's is one of those brands. Starbucks is one of those brands. For better or worse, there's safety in that brand name. Right. And it's not about being liked even. It's it, it's just about what I trust. And so you can trust for good or bad, but it's all built on consistency. And by the way, if you're absolutely consistent and something does happen in your organization that wasn't maybe an integrity issue, that you'll be given the benefit of the doubt. I mean, you think of Southwest, pretty big mistake, and they were back to number one in their space quickly because for 30 some years, they were the same. If you do have a kind of a an honest mistake, if it's a character mistake, that can be different. I love the Southwest Airlines example, because if you've had a consistent record for decades, and there's a blip that seems sort of out of character, off brand, and then you have good messaging around how you explain that, the marketplace, I think, will forgive you more quickly. And just since we're talking about airlines and we're in Minneapolis doing this, and I am not sponsored or anything, I just have to give a shout out to my favorite airline in the world, Delta, because they've gotten more and more consistent, got to number one several years in a row in their space. And I'm just grateful they're my hub airport because I can fly anywhere in the country in, in the one day. I'm not on the West or East Coast, but the way they've done things and the way they've gotten more and more consistent over the last eight years compared to you know how they were way back, They've done some really cool things to change their consistency and care of people. You know, that's a, that's another interesting one. I will say there are many kind of reasons against trust, right? Like connection pillar, like siloing or those kind of things. But we talk about government. Why are we losing trust in government? Well, you can go back to Watergate and some of those kind of things. But there's all kinds of things today that are working against governmental trust. 
A hundred years ago, the Republican and Democrat from California would duke it out on the floor and they would ride the train back together and they'd have a beer. They would connect. We have lost that. There's a whole lot of other reasons that are kind of working against trust in our government, which is a sad. So there's there's many other subtleties to this work, but the bottom line is this. Everybody out there can do something to increase trust, and it is the greatest advantage you can have to gain this thing we call the trust edge. It's worth working at trust because trust, it's higher. It's the greatest advantage you can have in life, in relationships, and in business. That is so true in all kinds of relationships. Real quickly, Dave, what's your best tip in those personal relationships, your family, your loved ones, your neighbors? consistency there is huge. I mean, I could give you all kinds of things. Am I clear about this? Am I showing character? One of the questions I ask often is, would you follow you? And there's no more important place than in the home. I often talk about those with the highest character are those that are loved the most by the people closest to them not those furthest away. There's many people that I'm around backstage in the green room and I'm speaking at big events and they look way different on stage than they do in the green room. You know, they're adored by fans and they're hated by their closest friends in home or at least not loved. And I think that question would be one you could just get up every day and ask, would I follow me? Or would my kids follow me? Or those closest to me follow me? I love that. Thank you, David Horsager. David is a professional speaker and best-selling author of The Trust Edge. Check him out at davidhorsager.com. Today's Crisis Brief is brought to you by the Mall of America. Number one, trust isn't a nice-to-have. Everything of value is built on trust. Number two, clarity wins. People trust the clear, people mistrust the ambiguous and the overly complex. Number three, the only way to rebuild trust is to make and keep a new commitment. An international destination for more than 30 years, the Mall of America continues to draw millions of guests from around the world. But the mall is so much more than shopping. Events, activations, and attractions continue to delight guests of all ages. They're also a strong supporter of the community and nonprofit organizations, Go to mallofamerica.com to find out more. Thank you to our podcast producer, Kim Inslee, and audio engineer, Tom Hamilton. Please rate and review The Crisis Files on your platform of choice so others can listen for crisis prevention information. Catch up on all case files at thecrisisfiles.com for the show archive plus special videos. Subscribe to our YouTube page on thecrisisfiles.com. Follow us on Instagram and YouTube at The Crisis Files. We do not provide legal, financial, medical, or PR advice for particular situations, but strongly recommend you seek out professionals to help with your specific need. I'm Roshini Rajkumar. Join me next time on The Crisis Files.